I'm Donovan Kane. Welcome back to the podcast and this full-length audiobook presentation of Red Sin, book number one of the Sin series, written by New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author Aletha Romig, and read to you by Samantha Prescott and Stephen Dexter. And now, episode 20 of Red Sin. Chapter 20, Julia. My gaze narrowed. What do you mean you destroy? I buy companies and sell them off for parts or force them to falter. I don't understand, I said honestly. You would lose money. Sometimes, and when I do, I use it to my advantage. Four years of college courses was my big business experience. The last six months at Wade was filled with elementary tasks. With my time divided between work, wedding planning, and literature and writing interests, I didn't mind not truly being an intricate part of my family's business. I always thought I'd get the chance to do more with Wade one day, one day when I was interested. Maybe today was that day. You purposely trash companies? I destroy, not trash. Acquisitions are usually profitable, but when they're not, they can still be advantageous to the bottom line. Before I asked why, the answer came to me. When you lose money, you use it to counterbalance your gross income. Very good. What about the people who lose their jobs, careers, and livelihoods? You should follow the news. Everyone is hiring. I jumped down from the counter. No, that's not the same thing. You're talking about taking something, a store, a warehouse, a distribution center, or a factory, a place where people have worked for generations and running it into the ground to reduce your tax burden. Not all acquisitions lose me money. However, in most cases, the acquired entity ceases to exist in its prior form. Before I could comment, he said, welcome to the world of big finance, Julia. I shook my head and crossed my arms over my chest. Oh my God, I trusted you, Van. I spun to face him. Whether the cabin was planned or not, once you figured out who I was, you used that information to help yourself at the expense of my family's past and future. No, I didn't. Your family's past and future were on the chopping block before I found you or you found me. But you said you wanted to help. I still can. I took a deep breath and slowly let it out. You're bribing me to marry you. You're holding Wade hostage. Tell me how that makes you any better than Marlon Butler. Van took a step toward me, a vein bulging to life in his forehead as tendons made their presence known in his neck. His tone changed. I don't fucking have enough time to tell you all the ways I'm better than Butler. Van's voice was restrained yet forceful. For the highlight reel, I haven't been playing your father for 30 years. I haven't been biding my time, encouraging a marriage to give me access to controlling power. And I haven't been pretending that I'm someone I'm not. He stood straighter. This is me, Julia. You're looking at Donovan Sherman. I made myself into who I am. I don't pretend. I don't act like I'll save a failing company and then sell the business out from under them or reduce their worth to pennies on the dollar. 
The reason I won't tell the world that I bought that stock in Wade is because if I do, the world will believe that I bought it to make it fall. I didn't. I did it for you. And if I marry you, you'll save Wade. One step and then the next, Van walked me backward until I was sandwiched between him and tall cabinets. Despite his obvious size advantage, I refused to believe, no matter how worked up he'd become, that Van would hurt me. I lifted my chin, maintaining our eye contact. His words came slower, more spaced. I could save Wade right now, Julia. One press release announcing our engagement. No marriage yet. You said you weren't ready for that. Only an announced engagement. Giving that information to the world would be the simple gesture that would change everything. We tell the world that you, the Wade heiress, and Donovan Sherman are now engaged. We'll tell them that I have secured enough stock that together with you, we'll not only maintain but improve Wade Pharmaceutical. That statement is all it would take. I'm not bribing you, I don't pretend. I'm not a frat boy who has led you on with an agreement and fucked your best friend. He pressed himself against me. I don't know your friend, and I don't want her. I want you. My mouth felt dry. You've had me, Van. One taste of you, 10 tastes, 100 tastes, it will never be enough. That's who I am. I always want more. I won't be satisfied until we're dead. What? Until our last breath, Julia. I can never have enough of you. I'm already addicted. I could fucking take you right now against this cabinet, and again after dinner, and I'd want more. I summoned my courage to ask one of my million questions. Have you ever been married? When his eyes narrowed, I added, I would understand. Millions of people marry and divorce and find someone else. I would suspect that someone your age, Van said, completing my sentence. You keep bringing that up. Does my age bother you? I shook my head, answering him honestly. It doesn't. I want to know you and know about you before I agree to marry. Agree to marry and then get to know me. Agree to marry me, and tomorrow, before the markets close for the holiday weekend, Wade will set records for its turnaround. No wedding date? I asked. No date. You tell your parents you're living here, and together we tell the world we're getting married. So many thoughts were running through my brain. If I announce my engagement before the date of my canceled wedding, the world will blame me for what happened with Skylar. They'll think it was me who found someone else. I did, but the canceled wedding wasn't my fault. He tilted his head as his palm came gently to my cheek. Who gives a fuck what the world thinks? I guess maybe I do. You shouldn't, don't. What others think of you is irrelevant. You're strong and determined. You're smart and beautiful. Whatever misconception the world has doesn't matter. They'll judge no matter what you do. You can't win with them, don't try. Agree to the engagement, and I promise Wade will turn around. Will you sell when it's high? 
What happens to Wade is immaterial to me. The only thing I give a shit about regarding Wade Pharmaceutical is you. Do you want Wade to fail? I shook my head. I didn't think I cared, that all I wanted was to write and explore the world. But now, hearing Dad's voice, I do care. I don't want Wade to fail. I don't want to see what my family, for generations, has worked to achieve, be devalued and sold for nothing. Then, I blinked as I contemplated my next sentence. There were so many unknowns about Donovan Sherman. However, I reasoned that this was only an engagement. I'd broken one of those off before. I will agree to an engagement. Van's lips captured mine. When he pulled back, he grinned. Fucking, dinner, more fucking, and then I'll call my press secretary. A statement will go out first thing in the morning before the markets open. I smiled at Van's timeline. I should call my parents. He looked at the clock. Do your parents stay up until after 10? Yes. You can call your parents when I call my press secretary. Taking a deep breath, I nodded. Turn around, beautiful. I'm removing those soft black pants. My pulse quickened. Van, don't make me repeat myself. Turning toward the cabinet, I splayed my fingers over the ivory surface as Van reached for each soft sock, removing them one by one. And then he reached for the waistband of my black pants. Soon, the pants and my panties were lost to the kitchen floor. My insides twisted with anticipation as I heard the click of his belt buckle and sound of his zipper, only moments before his large hands seized my hips and his foot spread my legs. Looking down, I saw his shiny loafer and the hem of his suit pants. I came to my toes as my back arched and my lips opened and I let out a moan. Without foreplay or so much as a check to see if I was wet, I was. Van drove deep inside me. My body clamped down around him as my forehead fell to the cabinet. His shoes were again in my line of vision. His shoes and my bare feet. Van was fucking me while still mostly dressed. In the kitchen. The ferociousness of his initial invasion now satisfied, Van's thrusts took on a rhythm that I could anticipate, in and out. Closing my eyes, I saw us last night on the dining room table. I recalled the beauty of his cock moving in and out of me. With my hands on the cabinet, I pushed back against his thrusts, bending further at the waist, taking every inch of what he was giving me. Despite his rule of controlling what happened during sex, I was hardly helpless in this encounter. If I were to admit it to myself, I was also becoming addicted to this unexplainable connection we shared. Van fisted my ponytail and pulled my head back. His warm breath came to the sensitive skin near my ear. You're mine now, Julia, all of you. He gripped tighter, using my hair like reins as he thrust in and out. You're perfect, perfect in every way. You feel so fucking tight. I'm the only one who ever comes in your pussy, ever. 
I nodded the best I could, hearing his words while distracted by his actions. My thoughts were consumed with the stretch and friction of his thrusts. Van filled me in a way I'd never imagined was possible. Releasing my hair, Van's hand came to my neck, keeping my head tipped back. Say it. It feels good. He pulled my neck back farther. You're mine. Say it. Tell me who else has ever or will ever feel how good it is to be inside you. I struggled to breathe, and yet his rhythm continued. I'm yours, Van. Only you. Only you. His grasp of my neck loosened, and his lips brushed my sensitive skin. My thoughts tried to sway, to think about what others would think of our sudden engagement, and to worry about all the unknowns about Van. But his attention and devotion to my satisfaction washed those thoughts away, as well as anything not connected to the here and now. Beneath my top, his large hands began to roam, tugging each breast from the lace cups of my bra, tweaking my hard nipples and moving lower, swirling my clit. His mouth was also engaged, kissing, licking, and nipping. I was on sensory overload as my body began to tremble and we both came. Again, my forehead fell to the cabinet as my knees weakened. After our union ended, Van spun me around and picked me up, cradling me to his wide chest. He sat me back on the kitchen counter. As his eyes met mine, he teased loose strands of my fair hair away from my face, put himself back in his boxer briefs, and secured the button on his pants. I can't tell you what you do to me, he said, as he spread my knees and his gaze went to my core. Fucking perfect. Before I could say a word, Van went to the sink and dampened a paper towel. Wordlessly, I watched as he came back and gently tended to me. The contrast in Van's unbridled passion versus this gentler caretaker was as different as night was today. And yet, as I leaned back on my arms as he prompted and he cleaned the evidence of this recent encounter, I had the revelation that Donovan Sherman wasn't one man who I could learn about in a few days. There were too many sides to him. The mysteries wouldn't go away. But with time, maybe I'd learn the secrets they kept buried. Once Van was satisfied, he helped me off the counter and proceeded to clean the cool granite. My large sweater hung to the middle of my thighs. After retrieving my socks, panties, and pants, I stood and my gaze met Van's. Is there any sense in putting these back on? His smile warmed something within me. That's up to you. I don't mind taking them off again. I scanned him from his dark mane to his shiny shoes. You're still completely dressed. Does that bother you? I mean, I like looking at you when you're... I was going to say naked, but honestly, Van was sexy no matter what. When I'm... Leaving my clothes on one of the stools, I went to him, wrapping my arms around his torso and looked up. That was hot. 
Warmth filled my cheeks. I like looking at you, period. That's the end of my sentence, Van. I find you attractive in these clothes, your mountain man clothes, and no clothes at all. He kissed the top of my head. I believe dinner was next on our agenda. I smiled. He had said fucking dinner, more fucking than calls. I can warm up one of Mrs. Mahan's dinners, I volunteered. I was about to do that when you came home. Van handed me my glass of wine. Sit, beautiful. I like taking care of you. The end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Red Sin, book number one of the Sin series. Written by New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author Aletha Romig. And read to you by Samantha Prescott and Stephen Dexter. You can find out more about Aletha Romig and her books at aletharomig.com. Find out more about the show at steamystoriesforwomen.com.